Well, thanks for having me this morning. It's really a privilege. Uh, the first service was, was great. Your people are just, just wonderful, Tim. Um, you know, I heard something a while ago that uh, somebody said, a mark of a healthy church is when the buzz in the room is about Jesus, you know, not other things. And that's really true here at Choice. And I just want to say how encouraged I've been just in the first service. So you got you to gotta really, you know, live up to their uh, uh, reputation here afterwards. But man, we just had so many people, my wife and children were here in the first service. And so many people just came by and just said, hey, can we pray for you? Um, that's awesome. That's what a church is supposed to be about. Amen. Amen. Come on, this is 11 o'clock or the 1030. So, yeah, come on. We're still asleep. All right. Very good. So, yeah. So we're getting ready to plant Pillar Church of Stafford. Um, right off of Route 1, just south of 610. And um, we're part of a network of multiplying churches in military communities worldwide through something called the Praetorian Project. We're all autonomous churches, meaning there's no ecclesiastical ties to one another. Um, but we all agree to the same doctrinal statement amongst the project. And so there's about nine of us, nine of our churches. Um, we've got one in Okinawa. We've got a number uh, we've got two down in the Jacksonville, North Carolina area down by uh, Camp Lejeune. We've got some on the West Coast, um, Oceanside, California, 29 Palms, and San Diego. Um, so we're kind of all over the place. We've got some in, uh, one in Washington, D.C., one right outside the gate of Fort Belvoir. And so our idea was that we would use the natural movements of the Marine Corps and the Army and the different uh, forces to to really disciple those people and then send them off as military, I mean, as uh, missionaries in their military communities. And so, you know, our goal is just to continue planting more and more churches in military communities. And what a great way to be able to send somebody that you're, you're working with and discipling and maybe helping them in their family and practical issues to be able to send them to another healthy, like-minded church. And so that was, that was the idea. And so we joined the Praetorian Project um, about a year ago and um, I've been on staff up at Pillar Church at Dumfries and we are launching on August 1st. It's all kind of coming together. We're trying to do some remodeling in our building to get it ready. So it's been crazy, but we are so thankful to be kind of coming out of COVID restrictions, amen. It's great to be here with you this morning. And so um, I met Tim years ago, you know, we have the same hairdresser. And um, so, uh, but Tim seriously has been just a real dear friend of mine for years. Um, I went through a difficult time in ministry um, a couple years ago, and Tim was just, you know, there for me to talk, to um, give me guidance. He's really been a mentor, but, but I'll just say this, you know, First uh, Timothy, you know, talks about the qualifications for elders or for pastors, same word, and deacons, you know, and, and your pastor is, is one that lives this life in the pulpit, talks about Jesus, exalts him, lifts him up every Sunday, but then he goes out in his everyday life and does the same thing. And so, you know, what you see on a Sunday is the same that he is at home with his family, loves his family, loves Jesus. And the thing that I think I appreciate about Tim probably the most is, is we've um, really gotten to know each other probably even more closely through my difficult time is just how he breathes out scripture constantly. And so when we're talking about an issue, he's going right to scripture and preaching to me. So I just, I just appreciate your pastor. Um, I'm great friends with Ryan Flanders. It's great to see him this morning. But man, you guys have a wonderful church here. My understanding is you're going through a series on the church, um, ecclesiology. And, 
And uh, what, what a fitting portion of scripture for us this morning. If you'll turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 14 through 16 together this morning. 1 Timothy 3, 14 to 16. The word of God says, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, as we just sang. The pillar and ground of the truth and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up in glory. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, your word is what we need. So Father, would you speak to us through your word this morning? Lord, help us to understand better who we are. And so Father, as we talk about what your church is, God. Would you just do a work in us, Father? Help us to just understand that better and understand how we fit in here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, in 2019, Lifeway Research, based in Nashville, did this study and they came up with approximately 3,000 Protestant churches in the U.S. are planted each year, are opened each year. Unfortunately, 4,500 churches close every year. And so when we talk about church planting, you know, it is vital to our country's existence. If we're every year closing 1,500 more churches than we're opening, that's a major problem. And so the reality in the U.S. is that we're losing ground. We're losing 1,500 churches a year. We're not seeing people effectively discipled, raised up to become leaders in the church and sent to plant new churches. If we're gonna see the gospel lamp brighten as opposed to dim, we've gotta plant more churches. And so I think one key to that is to understand what the church is, right? It's not just another business. It's not just some guy with some great personality that can just attract people to him that wanna listen to him talk for a little bit, right? There's something much deeper to what God is doing in the church. So in order to understand what the church is, we look to scripture. You know, in our day, people claim that they don't need to go to church to be a Christian or they don't need to become members of the church that they're attending. And, And I think that that attitude exists today I think because people don't have a real deep understanding of what the church is. It's kind of like this, you know, I go to church to get this, or I go to church because I like the worship. I go to church because I like the guy that preaches, speaks. The church is so much more than that. And so what we're saying at Pillar Stafford, and I think it's probably the same thing that Pastor Tim is saying, is we wanna move people from being consumers coming in and, and getting something out of the music or the preaching to contributors. You know, Pillar Church, we say we're moving people from mission. So the mission field, people that are not saved, we're moving them into a meaningful membership. We're, le- we're leading them to be uh, 
disciplers, we call those multipliers, where they can multiply their faith. And then the goal is always on church planting, missions work, we wanna make people into missional leaders. And so we're all somewhere on that axis. We're somewhere in process. The Great Commission is to go make disciples, to baptize them, teach them everything that Jesus has commanded us. You know, and that happens within the context of a local church. That was his intention. And so really, if you boil the Great Commission down in a way, it is to go plant new churches. I didn't do the study, but I wonder how many thousands of people are between us, between our churches. You know, if each church, let's say our churches represent 600 people, 800 people at best, right? Eventually, hopefully. That's not many people in comparison to our community. We need more churches right here in Stafford that are preaching the gospel and reaching their community. So we're gonna see three aspects of, of what the church is. There are three aspects of the church this morning. The conduct of the church. We're gonna see the construction of the church. And we're gonna see the confession or the communication of the church. First, we'll look at the conduct of the church of verse 14. If you read there again, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. If you remember Paul's kind of traveling habits, the spirit of God was constantly redirecting him. And I think in that Paul has an urgency about him to direct this church to how they should conduct themselves. And so he says, hey, I wanna come to you shortly. I wanna come to you right away. But the way my track record is, God could send me somewhere else any day, right? So he says, so I'm gonna go ahead and write these things, send them to you so you can put things in order. And so in verse 15, we see Paul telling the members of the church at Ephesus that there's a culture that the church must have. In other words, there's boundaries, there's a structure. Being in the church is not a free-for-all. There's a biblical identity to what the church is. He says, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. We don't meet at temples or synagogues anymore. God doesn't dwell in the holy of holies, but in the hearts of men and women. Acts 7, 48 says, however, the most high does not dwell in temples made with hands. And then Acts 17, 24 says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he's Lord of all heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. This is not a church, this building is not a church. The people inside the building are the church. Kind of reminds me of that thing I learned a long time ago, the, you, know, you put your hands together, the people inside. This house of God is not something built by, by hands. It's not a church building. You know, I actually helped frame this roof on this building 11 years ago. And um, it was great. There was, I don't know, 30 people. Roger Hanna was in the first service. I remember Roger there up on a scissor lift. Uh, endangering his life and uh, helping frame the roof that day. You know, but this church can be a lot of different things, which is great about this space is that you can, it's multi-use. You can move the chairs, use it as a gymnasium. You probably have banquets in here and, and all kinds of stuff going on in here, but that's, that, this, that's not the church. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit where God dwells today. First Corinthians 6, 19 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? 
First Peter 2, 5 tells us, you also as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer us, uh, I'm sorry, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And our quest for a right biblical perspective about church, we need to get away from that Western mindset. And it's just in our vocabulary, because where do we go this morning? Come on, kids, we're going to church, right? You know, and that's, that's okay, but we have to make sure that, that in our communication with our kids too, that we help them understand church is not just somewhere that we go to, to you know, like my kids run around the building and play basketball outside, you know, but it's a place that the church meets. This building is the place that the church gathers. That's why Paul is writing here, there's a way, a, a conduct, a behavior for the house of God what lives in a house, but a family. The house of God and, you know, is the family of God. So what is this house of God? It's not you individually, it's the church. Look at the rest of verse 15, that you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. This spiritual building is the church of the living God. If you're a believer, you are not the church by yourself. You need your brothers and sisters. This building is where the church gathers. This building, you know, could be a lot of things, but it is not a church unless you all are here in it. There's so much found here in just these three verses. Uh, we can't camp here. We've got to move. And so secondly, let's look at the construction of the church. This is my favorite part. Look at verse 15 with me. But if I'm delayed, I write that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I was in building the building industry for about 25 years before I went into full-time ministry. And so I understand very clearly the importance of a foundation. And so we've got these construction terms, this, this pillar, as I was standing back worshiping, I was looking at these, I think these are fake pillars, but they're decorative. But if they were real pillars, they would be bearing the weight of the roof. And so we talk about this great pillar. We think of it in the Roman context, these huge, a lot of times ornate, beautiful pillars. We marvel at, at the construction of it, let alone back then and what it would have taken for them to hew a pillar out of marble. And so we have this picture here of the church being this pillar of the truth, pillar and ground, this idea of foundation. We're getting ready to plant Pillar Church of Stafford. This is where we get our name from. So Pillar Church of Stafford, if it's gonna be a real church, is gonna emulate this portion of scripture, is gonna uphold truth. And so verse 15 says that we are the pillar and ground of the truth, the pillar is only as strong as the foundation underneath it. So if the ground is mud or if the, you know, the pillar will sink, if there's organic material in a foundation, under the foundation, the organic material sticks and different things will decompose and the house will fall possibly. And so it's not just enough that we be a pillar 
but we be rooted in something that's solid. We've been called together so in one voice we can sing as verse 16 is gonna tell us. Paul writes a hymn there in verse 16, but we are a pillar, a beautiful and strong pillar upholding the truth. And we think of that idea of, of living stones making up this pillar. And so the church, the ecclesia, this gathered group of believers that are set apart and called into a church right here at Choice Baptist, the church's role is that we together as living stones be built up into this pillar, that we would firmly, beautifully, strongly hold up the truth of the gospel in the world that is just crumbling, that is broken and sad and depressed. People are self-medicating with all kinds of things. I don't think people are happy. I don't think people are satisfied in their lives. And so here we are as a church, you in South Stafford, us in North Stafford, we have this great opportunity that we would hold up the gospel above all things to this dying, depressed, unsatisfied world. And so when we start understanding what the church really truly is, our preferences start going away when we see that the gospel is obviously the most important thing. The other word here, ground, you know, meaning foundation or meaning the earth that is bearing the weight transferred through the pillar. Paul says in Ephesians 2 and 19 and 20, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, the church, the true church that God is building is beautiful when pastors stand up and preach the word, when they're explaining the word of God and making application to their people in their specific contexts. They are continuing to build upon what the apostles gave us in the New Testament, what the prophets gave us in the Old Testament. So at the foundation, the church is being built upon their work, which is represented right here. And so to be a biblical church, we have to be about the word of God. And then lastly, look at the confession of the church found in verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. In other words, without controversy means everyone agrees about this mystery of godliness. I think here the mystery of godliness is the truth that the pillar upholds. The mystery is the truth about Jesus that he explains in this hymn you know, music is an amazing media that people connect words and sounds and feelings, right? Paul here is just overflowing with thoughts and feelings about Jesus. So he writes this song, this hymn. God was manifested in the flesh and justified in the spirit, 
seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up into glory. Paul is singing of the life of Jesus. He's singing of the gospel. He's poetically telling the story of the son of God that took on flesh and humbled himself as was referenced earlier in the music and was made into the form of his created beings. The Holy Spirit was upon him, vindicated him by righteous acts and miracles. He was seen by angels and preached among those who were far off. People believed in him and it was, and when his job was finished, when he had paid for your sin and my sin, when God the Father had seen all that he needed in order to say, it is finished, he was taken up into glory. And Paul just overflowing with the truth of who Jesus is, writes this hymn. And I think in this picture, you know, I'm a visual person. I'm thinking of this foundation and I can see concrete. And I can see this huge stone pillar and kind of up on top is, is this idea of truth. And so if we're rooted in the word of God, foundation, and we together as living stones are coming together to form this pillar right here at Choice Baptist Church in Stafford. And we as one voice that the thing, the heartbeat of our life is found in this hymn the message of our life, this holistic approach to Christianity is the thing that we're constantly making much of is the message of the gospel. And we stand here together as a church and say to the whole community around us, Jesus is what you need. There's a lot of empty answers for people out there. Church is not only our confession or what we communicate. Church meaning a gathered group of called out believers is our identity. At the heart of the church, those who have been gathered by our great savior, living stones, a people redeemed for his glory. We not only conduct ourselves differently than any other organization in existence, we find our true identity. We find that which we were designed for, not as selfish, consumeristic individuals, but as living stones among other living stones who cannot accomplish what God has called us to do alone. When we really understand what the church is, our preferences are set aside, our selfish desires to be served and entertained are, are, are set aside and we find ourselves truly loving one another, saying that the church is who I am together with you and then that we together in one voice Pillar Church of Stafford Choice Baptist Church in Stafford and hopefully lots of other churches in the future are together singing the praises of God represented in the gospel the truth about who Jesus is and what he's done so let me ask you this morning
Are you a living stone? Are you part of this pillar? Choice Baptist Church. Upholding the truth of the gospel in this community. Are you part of the spiritual building that God is building? Or are you simply just here sitting in this building as a consumer? If you're not sure, then talk to one of the pastors. If you're not sure if you squarely stand on the gospel as your only means of salvation. What I mean by that is if you're not sure that the only way for you to get to heaven, to have your sins forgiven, is by faith and trust in what Christ has already done for you. Hey, don't walk out of here today without making that right. And then maybe you say, yeah, I I know that I'm a believer. I know that I'm a Christian. All my hope and trust is in Jesus for my salvation, not myself at all. Then hey, be the church here. Get involved, get engaged. We are in a community that desperately needs Jesus. So let me close with the words of of 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. I'll pray and we'll be done. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. This is who we are. His own special people that you may, here's the mission, Here's the pillar, this is what we do, that you may proclaim the praises of him, like Paul, as he wrote verse 16. The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy mercy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for these people. Lord, we thank you and praise you for Jesus. Lord, that you would be always rolling off of our tongues. Lord, that our lives would be constantly live just to make much of who you are and what you've done. Lord, help us all Lord, to understand Lord, that you've called a people, that you are making a people. And then Lord, help us, Father, please, to be actively engaged here at Choice and Pillar Stafford, Lord, is one voice in full agreement, no controversy, to say, yes, Lord, we serve a good God. We have a great Savior. Lord, you, not stuff, you, Lord, are what our community and what our world desperately needs.